Welcome to Awareness and Transformation. My name is Brian Wallace and I messed it up already. Take two. <laughs> Transformation, conversations about life, faith, and race. My name is Brian Wallace. I'm the Associate Minister here at Pittsburgh Presbytery, and I'm joined by... My name is Ralph Lowe. I am the Director of Justice Ministries here at the Pittsburgh Presbytery. Brian? Yeah? You recently viewed a couple posts on Facebook. I did. Yeah. Um, you want to share with everyone what those posts said? No, I'm good. <laughs> I understand your hesitation. I really, really do. Because today's the day. Because today, today is, the, is da the day. It is the yep. day. And, and, I, the and day. I definitely appreciate you guys. But I, I kind of need you to, I know. to say I know. out loud. Okay. So today is the day that we have known was coming. Yes. Since we started this. This is the fifth episode. This is the fifth the episode. And when we first started this, we were like, hey, this may be a one-time deal. Uh, but it's grown. Yes. And we've decided to keep doing this for a while. And we knew at the outset we were going to have to talk about Black Lives Matter. Yes. And that was not what worried me. Correct. But when you talk about Black Lives Matter, you have to talk about law enforcement. We do. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to do today. That's what we're going to do today. And I feel like we started off like easy, easy, a little bit, a little bit. And now we are deep in the weeds. We are deep in week. the weeds. We need to be deep in the weeds. We need to be, I was going to say, we need to be deep in the weeds. We need to, these are topics that I think are on the minds of those who are listening. So yeah. I, I think it's important for us to, to, to talk about yeah. those things. So I think what we need to say at the outset is like, you are, something, we're, something we are going to say in the next, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes is going to tick you off. Yes. Uh, we're just going to say it. Yes. Uh, and that's okay. Yep. Um, it may rub you the wrong way, you may think we got something completely wrong, you may have misheard us, mm -hmm. whatever. So I'm going to ask at the outset that you to exercise a spirit of what I call generosity. Mm -hmm. um, as you listen, try and listen for what we're trying to say. Uh, and keep in mind, like as I said in the first episode, you're getting to like witness a conversation between friends. So there's a point at which like if we're not as technically precise or things like that, like view that with some indulgence. Please. Um, Please, because, like, especially as we get into these topics. Especially as we get into these topics. So, yeah. uh, so one of the things that I noticed, right, is like as soon as kind of Black Lives Matter hashtag that whole thing came to light, immediately there was a reaction to it, mm -hmm. and usually the reaction came, um, it it came from probably white people who immediately felt the need to say, all lives matter. It did, Brian. Um, and just some of the things I've seen, I've heard and seen on Facebook that I mentioned earlier, um, and thank you for that hesitation because I, I think it's so appropriate, is you know, all lives matter. Um, we're all Americans. Mm -hmm. It's one of my, the newest one to this is a mm -hmm. Facebook post that says, um, lives matter. If you put color in front of this phrase, you are a racist. Yes, I've seen that one as well. You have seen that one. So I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to say I'll put color in front of that. Um, I am a racist. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please go back and view our second video and you understand. 
um, because I believe we should all be raising our hands and saying Black Lives Matter. And Brian, I'm going to talk a little bit about why that is important as Christians for us to be able to say that. This country over the past 20 years has seen some tumultuous times, mm -hmm. some tumultuous events, 9-11, uh, that happened in New York, Tree of Life, um, here, that happened right here in, yep. in, in our city, um, the bombing in Boston, right? That's just to name a few. There's yeah. been a lot. And what I remember about this great country lived in, we live in is how when 9-11 happened, we saw people in California wearing New York City police department hats and, and apparel. And when Tree of Life happened, we saw people in Kansas having a Pittsburgh Strong and that you know, Pittsburgh Lehman we had uh, when Tree of Life had. And when Boston had the bombing, you saw people in, in Florida had Boston Strong, Boston Strong, yep. Strong yep. t-shirts, you know? What I don't remember, and now it's wonderful, and that's what makes this country a great country, right? What I don't remember about that time, Brian, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is when someone from Pittsburgh saw someone here wearing a New York fire department or police, I don't remember someone saying, hey, you know what? You shouldn't be wearing that. We're from Pittsburgh and all cities, all cities matter, matter yeah. right? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, what we were indicating by wearing the New York paraphernalia and the Pittsburgh and the Boston was we identified that those cities, those people in those cities were in need. They were in need of comfort and they were in need of uplifting, okay? That's what is said when we say Black Lives Matter. Now, if we could go way back when Black Lives Matter first started and change in some way how it was versed. I project, and this is my opinion, that we would say Black Lives Matter as much as white life, whatever you want to put there, whatever you want to put there, okay? But what we have right now is Black Lives Matter, okay? And and I want to be clear here, we, when Brian and I talk about Black Lives Matter today, we're talking about the movement, not specifically the organization. Because I know recently in the news there's been a lot of far left sentiment from some Black Lives Matter organizations that have been, that I do not affirm, mm -hmm. okay? And I know you don't. Mm -hmm. So I just want to be clear that this is, a, this is we are talking about the movement, the, the movement of worth of black life, okay? And as Christians, I believe that we need to understand the difference between saying all lives matter and black lives matter. Now, Brian, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you, and I use Christians for a reason, because I know you're, you're salivating when I say that, because I know you, and I, this is one of the reasons why I love you so much. You understand why I say that. So I'd love to hear your response to, 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 to this, that just me saying as a Christian, that's why we should be saying Black Lives Matter. Yeah. So I think one of the things that has uh, come to me a lot when we talk about Black Lives Matter is, is immediately the responses that I've seen, right? When someone posts Black Lives Matter, the next response is from a fellow Christian he says, I can't support that because I don't support BLM, the organization, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and I just, it, it, 
if that's you, if that's your reaction, my question is why? Mm. Why? Why is that the first thing you do? Why, why is it the first response is to immediately say, but I can't support Black Lives Matter, the organization. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to leave it there mm -hmm. because I don't know. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. but I think that's a question for you to wrestle with. Yeah. If you're like, yeah, but, but I can't support the organization. Okay. But why is that your first, your first impulse? Right. right? Um, so that's the one thing I just wanted to add on. To no, that's, I think that's important. You're that. absolutely right. So I think one of the things, so I grew up very mainline. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in a, a delightful, medium-sized suburban congregation, upstate New York. Um, and I, there are a lot of wonderful things about that church. And I went to college, and I went to a conservative evangelical college right here in Western Pennsylvania. Um, and I got there, and all of a sudden, I figured out that these Christian school kids, okay, a lot of them were weird. Mm -hmm. But man, did they know their Bible. Yeah. And I didn't. And yeah. I did not. I did not. And I had to take courses of Bible. It was required. I took biblical revelation. And it was like a one semester like survey course. And honestly, I didn't do very well. Um, but my junior year, I sat down and I was like, okay, I'm wrestling with this called the ministry. I need to take the full Old Testament introduction, New Testament introduction class. So I just want to kind of say this again. This was at a conservative evangelical biblical inerrancy affirming professor okay this was not my like liberal seminary education this was like Grove city college yeah. biblical inerrancy like old testament class yeah and so as i took that class and i read and then we read we read the holy testament every page of the new testament big chunks of the old testament i just kept being reminded over and over and over again that God's concern, God's love is equal for everyone. God's concern is not. Mm. God's concern is not. And it's very clear throughout the Old Testament, the repeated commandment is to care for the orphans and widows, mm -hmm. to care for those who are in need, mm -hmm. right? And specifically, orphans and widows still applies today. Mm -hmm. But orphans and widows as a general category means those who could not fend for themselves, those who needed the support of the community, and basically what the Old Testament said. And those who were oppressed. And those who are oppressed, yes. absolutely, yeah. right? So, and that would broaden out that category. Correct. But particularly those who are vulnerable, Correct. due to oppression, due Correct. to societal Correct. structure, et cetera. Correct. God's preference said, part of the way I'm gonna know if you're being faithful to me is how you worship and how you care for those who are vulnerable. And how do you know that? Because that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. That's what the, and it's like the whole thing. Mm -hmm. like, like, it's like the whole New Testament, mm -hmm. right? And then suddenly you get to the New Testament and the story doesn't change. The story doesn't change. Like, we literally have deacons. We literally ended up with deacons because of this issue. That's what you do. Because people said, look, our widows are being left out in the distribution of food. And the apostles were like, oh my gosh, we're swamped. Mm -hmm. So they created deacons. We literally have a whole other ordained office in the church because it was so important to make sure that those who could not fend for themselves, those who were oppressed, marginalized, could be cared for. Yeah. Right? I mean, social justice, this concept of social justice was built in to the first century community. And some people are like, well, I don't read much about social justice in the Bible. That's because it was assumed. Yeah. <laughs> it was assumed. <laughs> That's right? right. I mean, and to be clear, it's there. It's, it, but it, the reason that it's not talked about it more is that it was simply assumed, it was assumed. that you're going to treat one another well and that you're going to care for those who are in need. 
And so, you, like this whole thing of like the new, of the Old Testament and the New Testament, this constant care of those who are vulnerable, mm -hmm. who are in need, who are marginalized, who are oppressed, and God's concern is greater for them. Mm -hmm. And I remember I actually said it yesterday at a lunch I was at, and this may rub you the wrong way, so be it. I actually said, look, God loves us all equally, but His greatest concern is not me. <laughs> His greatest concern is not me, and I'm okay with that. I, I can right? I can hear the people moving in their in their chairs yeah, right no, now I as can. they listen and, and to that. Yeah, I can. my crowd yesterday, all 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 kind of agreed, right? Yeah. But I think like that's one of the things that for me is so important. Mm -hmm. And 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 you know, if that rubbed you the wrong way, like try and hear it this way, right? Parents love their children equally mm -hmm. in ideal worlds, mm -hmm. right? But parents are not often equally concerned about their kids. That's right. That's right. Right. Yeah. So if you have three kids, and uh, two of them are healthy and strong, and one of them was born with a congenital heart defect, you are going to have a greater level of concern for the kid that has a congenital heart defect. Mm -hmm. Right? Does it make you a bad parent? It makes you a good parent. Yeah. Right? That's the same principle that like I'm trying to get at here is that when, when we read scripture, very simply put, God loves all of God's people equally. So all lives do matter. Mm -hmm. But the concern is on those who are marginalized, oppressed, and hurting. Yeah. That's where God's concern rests. Yeah. It, their end, there's your sermon for today. Thank, thank I, you. Thank, I appreciate yeah. that. I do. So, but I think it's, I'll stop after this. No, it's, I think it's so important for us to constantly be reminded, right, is that this call to do justice, to practice social justice, social justice and discipleship cannot be separated. No, it cannot. Right? right? This idea of committing your life to following Christ in the world like that comes with being part of a just society that mm -hmm. seeks to make right the wrongs. Yeah. And you can't separate those. So, I know you didn't say this out loud. I didn't. But I think people were thinking this. Okay. Okay. What about blue life? Blue life. Yes. Yeah. Because I, and I'm just, I'm making this, this, this correlation because I think on the minds of a lot of people, we associate uh, the term of Black Lives Matter with anti-law enforcement, yes. um, which if we educate ourselves is, is incorrect, okay? But for the sake of our conversation, Brian, um, I just wanna address for a second the, the Blue Lives Matter, okay? When we, I'm gonna, re, I'm gonna repeat what Brian said earlier. If you have an aversion to the, the term Black Lives Matter, you, just please look into that. Think about why you, you hear that phrase and then you instantly have this, this sense of, I, I, don't, I don't think that's right. I, I think you, I would, as a Christian, you need to investigate that. Now, Brian gave you great reasons why, okay? Why Blue, Life, Blue Lives Matter is, is something that we should not be saying, in my opinion, is, Brian, at the end of the night, this is not, a, this is not to say that police, law enforcement, Lives are not important. They are very important, and we, Brian and I, support and, and love the protection that they provide for us each and every and day. And both of us have friends. And we have, I have close friends who is in law enforcement, Absolutely. yes. And we've had this conversation with yep. our law enforcement friends. But what I want to say is, in the evening, those individuals can take their badges off. If they were to walk around without their badges, they would not be blue live. There's, there's no such thing as blue life, Brian. Right. Right. There are 
law enforcement officers whose life are important and definitely worth, their worth is important. But there's no such thing as blue life, Brian. And until we're able to understand that, we will never get past this um, feeling of, we need to be saying all lives matter. Because in and itself, if you can get, get to the point where you can say, oh yeah, you're right, that's, there is no such thing as blue life, then you're on your, on your way to understanding why we can say and we need to say black life matters. So it's important for us to understand that there is no such thing as blue life, right? Blue lives. Blue lives. We, we, we of course, affirm the lives of law enforcement. I mean, that's, that's a given. And right? admit that it is a dangerous profession. And it's extremely right? dangerous. All those I'm, things. I'm grateful, and we admit all those things. But I again, I can't say this enough. If we can understand the concept of um, law enforcement being able to take their badges off and, and, and indicating that they, they are no longer law enforcement at the time, um, and the worth of all life, and the need for us as Christians to raise up the marginalized oppressed, as you said earlier, we can begin to affirm Black Lives Matter. And when we say that, I, you know, just in itself being able to say that, understand it, that is an action. That is an action because that would mean that your heart has been transformed in something as well as actionable things, which means, you know, if you're, you're saying Black Lives Matter, that means you're, you're, you're seeing the world in a lens that I think as Christians is, is important, is very important. Um, which leads us into a very heavy topic, um, understandably. Um, so Brian, I am going to, you shared something with me to, I think it was today at lunch, yeah. that I think is a, a great um, um, informational piece yeah. uh, for those who are listening. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you guys are all familiar with uh, the phrase uh, defunding police. Now, Brian and I searched to see some legitimate um, steps, points that, you know, what's really out there for defunding police. There's really not a, yeah. unfortunately, there's not, uh, like, there's a not a, policy. A, like a policy or... Yeah. There's nothing up for a vote at this point. Nothing. And there's examples of ways that communities are like doing this, we're yeah. going to cover that. Yeah. But there's no like, like defunding the police is a concept yes. right now. It's not action steps. So if, so if you're looking for that, you're not going to get that yeah. here, okay? What we want to talk about is this unfortunate phrase, because you and I both agree yeah. that, you know, defunding police is not a, a phrase we would have used um, at all, um, because it, you know, there's a, a very um, uh, effective caricature that's on TV through a commercial about what someone is proposing for, for what de defund police may look like. It is inaccurate. Um, and and um, based on none of the things that Brian and I investigated, while they all may be a little different, they all center on this, this community structure that Brian's gonna talk about. Um, so I know you're still squirming in your seat because we've said defunding police like four times. I understand that, okay? But Brian, you shared during lunch today um, something that you had heard or, or read, yeah. and I think it's important to, to, for us to start to understand what the concept of defunding police yeah. truly entails. Yeah. So, so I think kind of two, kind of two examples, right? Um, one was uh, one of our congresswomen was asked, what would it look like to defund the police? And she said, we actually have an example of what it would be to defund the police. Yeah. 
And people were a little bit confused, like, what do you mean? She said, it would look like the suburbs, mm. right? Hey, can, I, can I interrupt yeah, you for go. a second? I'm sorry, Brian, because, it, so I hadn't heard this yet, okay? And when Brian told me that, I, it instantly resonated with me because, because I have friends who, a lot of friends who live in the suburbs, and I have a lot of friends who live in the city and urban areas. And that difference is distinct mm -hmm. to me, yep. okay? And you're gonna... So that was brought to my mind when I saw a post this weekend on Twitter where an individual said, if they policed the suburbs like they police the city, or specifically mm -hmm. I think he said, if they policed white neighborhoods the way they police black neighborhoods, half my friends would have been in jail for possession of drugs. Mm -hmm. But they don't. Uh -huh. And therefore, those individuals went on to college, and many of them under white collar employment, and their path went one way, mm. right? And like this was really helpful for me to understand because I would deem myself an expert in living in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up in one, <laughs> I live in one now, yeah. right? right? So like I understand suburban living, and like I have had a couple encounters with law enforcement in the suburbs, mm -hmm. and it has been when I have called them. Or when one thought I ran a stop sign, but that's not for here today, okay? <laughs> but I think that's, so, so part, of, part of, I think, the unfortunate thing in the phrasing of defund the police is what it really says is, do we want to deal with funding more police resources to try and combat the negative outcomes, mm -hmm. or do we want to invest in communities, right? right? Do we want to do community investment? So, so to be clear here, some of you listening are saying, oh, do, do you think that if we take pol more police out of the city and urban areas, there would be less crime? And what Brian is saying here is, no, not just that. It is a community investment that will have the equivalent of less crime. Yes. Um, um, and in the, I think when you hear the unfortunate term of defund the police, the only thing we can see is less police in an area where we need where we, where we think we need some police or even more, and and, and that is not the case. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure yes. we, we pause and say that. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, and so part of it is like like I spent a lot of my life working with teenagers. You are raising teenagers mm -hmm. right now. I'm going to start pretty here really soon, and there is nothing more dangerous mm -hmm. than a group of teenagers with nothing to do. Mm -hmm. it, it really, really right. is. And as as somebody who's been a teenager, I've been a teenager, we've been around groups of guys, mm -hmm. right? Like, the stupidest ideas happen when a bunch of bored teenage guys have nothing better to do. Yes. Right? Yep. Hey, let's go, yeah. right? Yeah. And so part of what you need to understand is when people say defund the police, the question is, okay, instead of trying to invest more resources into juvenile courts, into the juvenile justice system, of processing more court claims, can we stop it from even getting to the courts? Correct. Right? And we know how to do this. Yes. Right? I mean, we know, we know how to stop that. Mm -hmm. And so when people talk about defunding the, the, the police, the idea is not to destroy our police departments. Right. But it is to say, wouldn't it be great if we needed less police officers? Yes. Say that, we need to say that again. Crime? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? Right? Wouldn't it be great if we needed less police officers? Yes. Right? And if you want a similar analogy, what's better? What's better than, you know, is it good to have a quadruple bypass? 
or is it good to shift your diet, mm. right? What we're hoping, the idea behind defunding the police is if we do community investment well, we're helping change the pathway right. before we need the police, the police to deny justice. That's right. Right. That's and right. before the and before those things are gone. And like and for me, where this really where the rubber hits the road, right, is like I had two kids, I have two kids. And the thing that uh, really stood out to me, like to this day I tear up thinking about it, was like fourth and fifth grade preschool for my son. Mm -hmm. He preschool was hard for him, he struggled. And we got into that, not grade, year old preschool. Yeah. He got into that fours and fives class. It was four days a week. The teachers were amazing. And his outcome in kindergarten was so much better, mm -hmm. right? But what about families that one, there aren't preschools mm -hmm. in their communities. Two, they, if there were, they can't afford, they can't to, go afford to, to go to preschools because preschools are private, Yeah. right? Right. So all of a sudden, kids who come from strong, Middle, not, not, and not even affluent, right? Because right? preschool is not the world uh, of, of affluent people. No. It is the middle class right. and up. Yeah. Like, like, suddenly those kids who have been dealt a decent hand in mm -hmm. life are given the advantage of early childhood education. Mm -hmm. My mom was a second grade teacher, you know, I, we had second grade, and, and we had elementary school teachers in the church I served, and they said, you could tell the difference between the kids who went to preschool and the kids who didn't. The day they showed up in kindergarten, you knew that kid went to preschool, that kid didn't, mm -hmm. right? And so we talk about defund the police. If you want to know a very concrete example of what we're talking about, yeah. it's funding universal early childhood education. Yes, that's part of the community investment, right, right it's there. It's that simple. Um, again, unfortunate name. We, we are acknowledging that, yeah. and I, I know it's hard to get past that. I, I understand that. But if you really want to try to have a Christian response to this, you, you educate yourself a little deeper, and what you understand it is about community investment, about community investment. Um, something that happened before police were involved. I want to go back to something you said earlier. It's been in my mind. You said um, your most of your engagement with the police have been because you called them. Yeah. <laughs> most of my engagement with the police is because Sorry, I just happened to be. No, I, I, I thank you for that because it is because yeah. I know you were thinking. Yeah. What what I'm going to say is when the police encountered me, I had not. I have had. In my adult life, I've had to call the police a few times, okay? But as, as a young black man in, in, in Pittsburgh, I've had uh, a dozen or more, um, probably two dozen or more situations where I have had an encounter police where I didn't call them or need them to be where I was, okay? So that's, and I, and I think I say that out loud so we understand the police presence in this city. Um, and understanding there's a reason for that right now. I, I understand that, I do. But if we're ever going to get to a, a, a place in this country where we are seeking to dismantle uh, system, systemic and institutional structures of racism, these are the things we need to be yes. talking about and thinking about. Yep. Because until we get there, they'll, they'll, we will still exist and we'll be having the same conversation another 50 years from now. Yeah. And, we, and we don't really need to. So you said over two dozen encounters. Yeah, unfortunately. It's probably a little more, but yes. One. Yeah. Yeah. I've had one. Yeah. I got pulled over once in my life. Yeah. I am yeah. not counting the times where I was just standing and literally a police officer just leaned out of his car and said, What are you doing? And I said, um, You know, waiting for my mom or, you know, to take the bus or whatever. And then they drove away. Yeah. 
I'm not counting those times. I'm counting an encounter where yeah. out of the car, yeah. what are you doing? Why are, where are you going? Yeah. It's it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm going to work. It's so many things, right? And it's just it's just it's my experience. But it's important to the, in this in this context, right? And I think part of maybe where that that example and that disparity mm -hmm. might be helpful is to understand like like we have actually lived pretty similar mm -hmm. lives on paper. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like yes. both college yeah. college educated. Yeah. You worked in industry, mm -hmm. um, like then went to seminary, I went straight to seminary, like like we are peers in the yeah. same organization. Like, yes. like on paper, mm -hmm. we have walked similar paths in lives. Mm -hmm. And yet like my experience. I've been pulled over once in my life. Yeah. Every other time it was because I was running a business and I had to file a police report. Yeah. Right. And, and I want to be clear here, you know, this is not, this is, I'm not trying to be derogatory to, to law enforcement. I'm really not. This is my experience in my life in a very hard neighborhood to be law enforcement in. I recognize that and I acknowledge that. I do. Because at the end of the day, most of the police officers that I've dealt with have been, I've known them. You know, they've walked in my neighborhood. They know my mother's name. You know, um, you know, this, especially, especially, and they were wonderful, yep. great police officers. You know, um, but I would be remiss if I didn't say that some of those encounters were not nice, and they were, and they were um, more than because I was a man of color. It was because I was a, a, a young boy of color. I was, it was the, in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, but I, I just want to be clear here. This is I understand the need of the presence of yeah. police officers in these areas. I, I really, really do. But I just do not want us to get soaked up in this in this tangent narrative of defunding the police means the police will not be present when they are needed. Like Brian said earlier, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't need that many police officers? Because that would mean that the neighbor our neighborhoods and 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 everything else were safe and, and, and good to be around, right? And I just, it is, it, and I know it's a sensitive topic and, and one we'll probably talk about again, but as Brian said earlier, you know, it's in the Bible. Our, our Christian response is to, is, is to lift up those who are marginalized and oppressed and, and to seek out those systems that do that, mm -hmm. um, that, to, that, that affirm that oppression. And, and this is just one system that we think we all of us can have an impact on myself as a person of color and you listening to that, um, and it's so important for us to respond that way. It really is. So one story from the weekend that I ha actually haven't told you. Okay. So a high school classmate of mine was a standout basketball player. His son is a standout basketball player, and he posted and he shared his wife's post. But uh, his son, who is African American and their trainer went to one of the local high schools because of COVID, right? Like, and they were supposed to be there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But because of COVID, the door was locked and they had to wait outside and so, right? They were there less than a minute. A police officer rolls up, mm. right? Police officer rolls up, rolls down the window and goes, you guys aren't doing anything wrong. Sorry, and drives away. Yeah, right? yeah. And it turns out someone had called the police because there was a young black man and an older black man standing outside of a high school in a white neighborhood. Yeah. 
right? Now, let's give full credit. The police officer responded Absolutely. the way he was supposed to, Absolutely. identified, assessed Absolutely. the situation, and I thought, and I'd be actually curious to your thought, acknowledged why he came. Yes. And then left. Yes. Right? Yep. Didn't ask him what they were doing, says, you guys don't, don't look like you're doing anything wrong, I'm yep. sorry, we got a call, I had to come check it yep. out, and was out, right? Let's, listen. I want the police to come when they're when they're called. Like, I, like it's so important. It is it, we can get so tied up in this, in, in in situations like this. I want the police to come. Yeah. When they're yes. called, okay. 100%. I, I do. You know. So the so the so the experiences I had are, are separate than this. What, what Brian is talking about. But I will fully acknowledge that that police officer did everything right yeah. as he should have. Absolutely. Um, unfortunately. What we've seen time and time again in this country is pol police brutality in situations like that. Yeah. Okay. So you know, Brian and I talked about Black Lives Matter earlier, and I think sometimes we we um, hear Black Lives Matter and we think it's anti-police, and I would push hard against that. I know there's been some sentiment in some parts of the organization that mm -hmm. has a, a different opinion that I do not affirm whatsoever. Right. Uh, all right. And neither does Brian. But what I'll say to that is Black Lives Matter is just another way of saying the worth of, of, of black life. And in that worth, it is, we, we are against police brutality, not police law enforcement overall, just police brutality. And how do you combat that? Through structures, through information, through education, through, through all those things that Brian and I talked about earlier. And, and until we're, again, I can't say this enough, until we're able to do that as Christians, and, and, and seek a better way. We'll, we will never make a dent in this yeah. huge cavernous thing called racism. And I think the other thing that, I just thought of this analogy. Well, so when we talk about defund the police, or we talk about community investment, part of what the proposals are talking about and referring to is using the right tool to deal with a situation, yeah. right? Yeah. So the truth is that we put police officers in some really bad situations. Oh, oh my goodness. Right? So they're called to respond to mental health crises. Yes when they are not trained and equipped to do that, yeah. right? They might as well send you or I, right? <laughs> right? right. Like they might yeah. as well send, so you've got a guy in a park acting nuts, yeah. right? And it's not just, you know, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. It's literally out of control. Yeah. And what do, they, what do we do? We call and, the police. Yeah, right? and, and, and so before you even finish here, and I want you to finish, the police officer has a right to go home to his family or her yeah. family too, Yeah. right? So, you re so they respond to these instances, right? And you, you just don't know, you know? So again, you're just affirming what I'm saying. This is, this, this is clear. We're talking about what, when I say Black Lives Matter and, and, and that is, this association with anti-police is absolutely not. It is anti-police brutality. Yeah. And in that case, it is not. It is, an, is definitely, I, I can't affirm enough, that being a police and law enforcement is one of the hardest jobs. I, I know that. Yeah. I have friends, Absolutely. close friends. We talk about it all the time. And I, I can't tell you how many times I said, man, I, I do not envy you doing that. Right. I wouldn't have gone there. Like, I, I can't believe you. I can't believe yeah. you went there because it's part of their job. So, but it is when we replace um, the, our blue, li blue lives and, and white lives and, and, and all those things we replace when we hear Black Lives Matter, do we get into the realm of not having a Christian response yeah. to what's going on in this yeah. country, yeah. right? Um, Brian, what can we, and I know we didn't talk about this, so this will be new. If I'm sitting here right now and I hear this, and, and, and it resonates with me, right? As, as yeah. a, a person of European descent, and it resonates with me. What can I do? So, <laughs> I think this is a great question. So part of what I have always done, 
out of my own conviction yeah. is I put my money where my mouth is. Mm. And I've identified organizations that I believe do community investment in neighborhoods where they're at risk struggling families and invest in those lives. Mm -hmm. uh, that, like, that has for a long time been my way of responding. Now, to be clear, not only did I did I give, I volunteered. I was gonna say. Actually, heck, my kids are yeah, there today, yeah, yeah. right? But like, like, rather than wait for government to get this right, mm -hmm. I think as people, like, we need to realize that our giving, what, w how we use our money, our stewardship, we need to seriously think is, are we investing in the lives of our community, mm -hmm. right? Because the organization that I've chosen to kind of designate my giving towards, I believe in their values start to stop, like start to finish. I don't have to investigate them. I know them. I have the executive director's number in my phone. Mm -hmm. And like, so for me, that's been a way to say, I'm gonna partner with and support this organization because they do this type of community investment mm -hmm. that I know is so critical to changing paths and futures. So I think, that's been mine. But the important part of that is not only do you invest, um, you, you invest, um, Financially invest your time. time. Absolutely, absolutely. You yeah. know, you know, yeah. you, you you use your hands, you use your feet, and not only do you, is it you, you you said it earlier, you you your family is involved in yeah. that too. So it is not just a Brian Wallace thing. It is no. it is Brian Wallace and his yeah. family. Yeah. So it is it is absolutely not only yourself, but it's your children, your your beautiful wife, um, which is which is very very important. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. I really appreciate that. So I, I hope that resonates with some of some of you. Um, what would you say? Oh, I would agree 100%. But what would you tell, like, like would you tell people to, to do the same thing or, or something else? So, so yes, you know, I, I think in a, in a perfect world, I can't even say that out loud, but in a perfect world, I would love for someone who feels passionate about this to actually get out and talk to people who are, who are involved in the Black Lives Movement, who, who you know have been parts of, of, of rallies and protests and all those things that maybe you kind of shot away from but now kind of resonates with you and, and just, just gain some knowledge for it in addition to what Brian's saying. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's, it's those experiences that you begin to, to shrink and, and remove this veil of insecurities that we're really talking about here and has an opportunity to actually really be comfortable with volunteering to, to supporting financially because now you've had the experience of people who were who look like you right but have decided to respond to what is said biblically in a way that uplifts people of color um and, and that's just and sometimes that's, that is just simply talking like brian and i are talking right now one-on-one -on -one. that's a great start um, I think Brian, I think you shared this in one of the videos early on, you know, if we were talking about a, a scale of, uh, we used to term wokeness, but we both hate yeah, that term, but, but we'll use it for this because I understand what that means for everybody. And if it's one to 10, you said three for yourself, right? I would say you're more of a five, but I'll, I'll give you that because okay. I love you, right? And then, but you are, you are constantly moving towards yeah. moving to four and five. And so maybe, if you're if you're uh, if you're affirming what you've heard today, and maybe you're one or two or, or wherever you are, that next step maybe just a conversation about it. It, it mm -hmm. truly is, you know. Um, and I would invite you to bring it up in a company where it's not popular. I, I really would because then all the negative, all the all the things that can be thrown at you, you can hear it, it can sit in your heart, and then have another conversation where it is affirmed. So you can have those on your mind, all the pushbacks, and be able to talk about them because that's the only way that you'll be able to move past it. That is the only way through conversation. Um, 
as we wrap up, Brian. Can I circle back to one thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the par part of the reason why I think, in a weird sort of way, this defund the police, right? Which I would rather say broader community Bro investment. Yes. Right. Yes. Part of what I touched on was like we put cops in bad situations. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I want you to really keep that in mind. Like we're trying a lot of the advocacy around this is what's the best situation? Who's the best individual to respond yeah. to a given situation? It's not always a police officer. It isn't. It isn't. Right? Because they are trained to do threat assessment mm -hmm. and to intervene using certain methods. And that's what they know. Mm -hmm. And so let's be honest, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we are glad that those are the methods that they know. Absolutely. As challenging as they are yes. ethically, yes. we're glad that those are the methods that they know. But there's other situations which we don't want to put police officers mm -hmm. in those spots. Yeah. And that's what kind of this idea of broader community investment yeah. is. is like, like, okay, maybe we need a better team of social workers and, and mental health responders. Mm -hmm. and. You know, like, like I always use the analogy, like I watch people walk into a room full of teenagers and they freeze up, Yeah. right? Yeah. Not for me, yeah. right? But that's the thing. What's the right individual? What's the right tool to use? And that's what we really need to think about. Mm -hmm. And actually where in a lot of cases the church has stepped up. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And just to, just to piggyback on that, you know, the, invest, the investment that Brian is talking about is just is a is a small piece of what um, um, makes up the reasoning for cities and, and urban areas of, of in in the why they look the way they look and, and are the way they are in high crime rates. There's 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 a lot of reasoning, and this is and Brian is are one aspect of of, of addressing um, how we get neighborhoods like that and what we can do to uplift those people in, uh, live in that neighborhood, and that's just one piece I wanted to add that because there's a lot that goes yeah. into that we could spend the rest of the time talking about yeah. other aspects of what we could do to help facilitate a, a, a better neighborhood for everyone, right? Um, but I wanted to make sure that was clear because I know someone listening to this will say, well, what about this? And yes. you're absolutely right. There's other it's things. It's all interconnected. It's all interconnected. It's all it's a system. All, it, it all ties together. That's right. It is all a system. Um, so it was that, did you finish your point? Did you good, want to, okay, all right. So before we, we wrap up, Ryan, um, I did want to talk a little bit about, uh, I think this is a good note to end on, uh, legacy. Okay, I know we didn't talk about this, yeah. right? And you, you always ask me about my kids and conversations we have and what I do in certain situations. And I think you've opened up, I know you've opened up in these you know, five conversations we had about your kids and what you're doing. Um, how important is it for, for your children and the kind of legacy of, you know, because you're a prideful Wallace, right? You, mm -hmm. you, you love your family, um, but for your children to resemble the, the who you are in this, in this, mm -hmm. um, in this world and in, in the world we live in and your values and your, your imprint on them. And I, sh I shouldn't use the word legacy. What I should show is, what I should have said is, when you, because what I'm trying to get to here is the example you're given for your children, mm -hmm. right? And what's important for your children to see and the actions and the words that you speak, yeah. right? So could you just spend like a, just a couple minutes and just talk about, because that is, because your children are your life, sure. outside of your wife, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you, could you just talk a little bit about why? Because I know this already, and, and I know you, it's hard to do in you know in two minutes and three minutes. But why it is so? Why this is so important for you? Because I know 
in the back of your mind, you're thinking about your, your children mm -hmm. and why, and that's just why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to get yeah. to. Can you talk a little bit about that as we close up? That's like my soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> so I think one of the, I think for me, the, the biggest thing that I've noticed and observed is that we tend to think kids are not nearly as smart as they are. Mm. And they are watching everything we do. Mm -hmm. Right? They're watching everything we do. And I think the other thing that I have observed is that if we don't talk about things, they will assume that those subjects are off limits. Mm -hmm. Right? And there's a lot of topics that fit into that, that I'm very, very passionate mm -hmm. about making sure parents talk to their kids about. But uh, this is a topic that we have talked a lot about. Yes, at home. you have. We've talked a lot about it at home. You've actually come to me and say, hey, this is what I've said, and I'm, and I'm curious yeah. to see if you think it's yes. right or wrong, or yes. should I have said something different? Yep. So. And like, I, th I think it's so important that we talk to our kids because they are hearing it, they are observing it, they're hearing what you say, they, they're hearing what you don't say. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like, like I said to somebody over the weekend, like, I am so grateful that my parents raised me non-racist. Because mm -hmm. I realized even in the 80s, that was a step, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that they made it a point that uh, the few friends that were African-American that we had as a family, that it was very clear to me that those were our friends, mm -hmm. right? Like, mm -hmm. I, like, I'm grateful for that because that gave me a window mm -hmm. into this. It, it set a value system mm -hmm. to be non-racist. Mm -hmm which I think actually gives people a platform mm -hmm. to move ahead. Yeah. Um, but, like, but I picked that up from them. Yeah. And uh, I, it's just like, I, I, I literally can't say it enough. If these things are important to you, talk to your kids. Talk to your kids. Because like, they're hearing Black Lives they're Matter. Hear it. They're hearing Black Lives Matter. They're yeah. hearing defund police. They're yeah. hearing all these things. All these, and, and, yeah. and I have seen this conflict divide parents and children. Yeah. Like I, I see it on Facebook. Yeah. Where the parents will post something, and the kids will post something, and the in-law will post something, and the whole, I mean, like this is this is one of these hard topics, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, like what are you not supposed to talk about in polite company? Mm -hmm. Sex and politics. Yep. Right. And what do you have to talk about with your kids? Sex and politics. That's right. That's right. It's so <laughs> because true. they're gonna hear it. They're gonna yeah. like they're gonna hear it from someone. And what I have been just struck by, given the work that I've done, is the number of of young adults who are still posting every day about Brianna Taylor. Yeah. I mean, these are white these are the whitest kids in the world from the suburbs mm -hmm. who are posting every day about Brianna, Brianna Taylor. Yeah. Now, is it a lot of white saved? Probably, right? There's probably layers okay. there, right? There are. But let's just say that they continue to do this. So they are picking this up. Mm -hmm. And you know, so important, so, so critical, and then I promise I'll get off my soapbox here. So critical for teenagers, right? Like, like what do parents want? Parents want their kids to stay involved in church. Yeah. And if you want your kids to stay involved in church, you have to show them a faith that matters to life. Yeah. Like we know this, this isn't me making it up. You can read any book you want over the last 20 years. If, if kids do not see that their faith and the faith of those around them impacts the way they live, they are done. done. What's the point? It's That's a waste right. of time. That's right. They can sleep in on Sunday mornings, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like they are not gonna pursue it if they don't see a faith that meets life. Mm -hmm. um, 
there. Thank you. My second sermon. No, uh, I, no, uh, that's why I asked the question. Like, like it is, it is so, yeah. so, so credible. It just because it, it, it came to me now as we were sitting here because I, I'm just rehearsing some conversations we have, and you, I can't tell you how many times you've come into the office and said to me, you know, my my yeah. my daughter or my son said, he said yeah. this, and this is my response. And do you think it was right, or what, what are your yeah. comments? And yep. you know, so and I think so, it's so important. So critical. So critical. It is, and it's different. You know, and the conversations you have to have with your boys are way different than the ones that I have to mm-hmm. have with my kids. They are. Yeah. And that's why it's totally contextual, yeah. right? Yeah. But like, but you got to have a conversation. You got to have it, and you especially, it. yeah, new soapbox. Yeah, if you are a suburban white family, all the more. Yeah, all the more. It's all the more important. Like, like I, like, like my kids are sitting ducks mm-hmm. for racism rooted in ignorance. Yeah, they absolutely, are, right? absolutely. Because we live in the, not the whitest place in the world, but pretty much the whitest place. In the world, and, and like so, so all the more if you're sitting there going, well, well, that's not my problem. It act, yes, yes, it's it is. all the more because if, if your, your kids problem. are not getting their information about Black Lives Matter and and defunding the police from you, they're getting them from someplace else. Yes, they are, and it's and it's so much more important to yep. kind of get it from you, who who is a loving Christian who goes to church every Sunday, who, yeah. who kids go to, yes. you know, um, um, Bible, vacation Bible school every year, who, who is an active participant in the church, that it comes from you. Thank you for that. I really appreciate you saying that. So uh, I think our it's next- like three soapboxes in one episode. That's, listen, this is what we're here for. I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you right. so much for sharing, Brian. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right.